I love it when we get excited in the house of God. I can't wait till we got smoke machines on the Sunday morning and all happening. Because why not? This should be the most pumped and excited. And not should because we should. It's that we should be in a place where this is, this is why we were born. I'll never forget actually just, and Maddie um, mentioned there um, about where Steve Kennedy was. He rings me out of the blue on this international number because you don't answer an international number because it could be from Nigeria. So I didn't answer. Anyway, sends me a text. He says, this is Steve. Ring me back. So I ring him back and he's in Virginia Beach. Um, anyway, that was cool. And then he was cruising around this guy's house. But, but the, the, the thing that I just thought of then was I'll never forget there was another guy there and he tells it at that very same church and it's the biggest naval base in, in the world and it's where a lot of the Navy SEALs are based, you know, American elite military. And there was this guy, this preacher, he happened to be in the same church. He was just hanging out with one of the Navy SEALs. And um, anyways, and I've told this story actually before, but probably a long time ago. Um, he's hanging out with one of the Navy SEALs and they're out fishing and the, and the Navy SEAL goes, he's elite military, if you're not really up with all that stuff. He's elite military unit. And he says, see this buzzer here? Um, this is probably the older days, you know, like he's probably got on the mobile phone now. But see this page here, when, if it goes off, I could within 12 hours be dropped into any military zone on the planet, not get to say goodbye to my, my wife and kids, and that's just my life, and that's how it is. And this pastor guy goes to him, well... Well, you know, that's pretty tough. You know, that's a pretty tough sort of job to have. You know, I work at Woolworths. <laughs> no, but, 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 but the guide looks at him and says, he says, you don't understand, mate. I was born for the defense of my country. This is who I am. This is what I do. And I think that's, that's us as Christians, isn't it? Like, oh, I was born for this. You were born for this. What we're doing right now, this is why you exist. And I think that's why we get excited in church. It's like you come through those doors and your spirit comes alive. Not that we're not living for Jesus, you know, every day. We talk about that a lot here. But this is where we gather and get excited about it as a group. And I think that's really powerful. I think it's one of the greatest things we can do. Anyway, that's sort of all a bit of a preamble that I hadn't got planned. But a number of weeks ago, we're finishing off a series this week. So in part five, I'm finishing off a series today that I started months ago, actually. Um, and it's, and it, it came from this question. We, we, learned, um, we started singing this new song, Lord Send Revival. And I, I sort of got to thinking, what is, what is God thinking when we say, Lord send revival. We have something in our heads, and to be honest, I've said this a number of times, I think what we see in our heads when we sing a song like Lord send revival is completely different to what God's thinking. And so we've been unpacking that thought. What, is God, what does God think revival looks like? What is God thinking? When, I, when Pastor Shane says, sings the words, Lord send revival, what is God thinking for Pastor Shane in that moment. And so that's what we've been looking at and we've been unpacking it. We've had four messages on it. And, and a, a place that we went was we looked at the lives of the original Christians, you know, the undiluted, the un, hadn't had time to overcomplicate it Christians, the Christians, the original ones recorded in the Word of God. And how did they do it? Because I reckon if we could really learn something from how, how they did it, and we took, we've looked at four key principles. Applying teaching was number one. We, and we, we'll get there in a minute and we'll talk about it. But applying teaching and they gathered for worship, which is what we're doing now. So kudos to you for being here this morning. They gathered for prayer and we're talking about prayer and praise. That's tonight at six o'clock. Um, that's where all the work gets done. Um, and, and, and they also had prayer lives. 
Because that's, again, this was the last message in this series. They actually had their own personal prayer lives where they would pray. And that's where all the heavy lifting got done in their life, but also as part of seeing the world one for Jesus. So we talked about that a couple of weeks ago and how prayerlessness is actually debilitating to our soul. And I, well, not just to our soul, it's actually debilitating to our life. And I, I loved that message that, that Kenny um, gave us on communion. So I thought, Kenny, mate, um, you know, if you keep pulling that sort of stuff out, buddy, I'm going to lose my job. So give a big hand for Kenny. He's just a great articulator of gospel truth. And I think the reason he's a great articulator of gospel truth is he makes the extremely complex very simple. And when he gave that analogy of, you know, I was just like, I was sitting next to my son and I was so there. Like that was him and his dad in, in, with running around chasing the chook. That's me in the kitchen every time. And I know that look when you walk through the door and it's just like, what are you doing? But Jesus, that's not the look Jesus gives you ever. And I love that this morning, Kenny. He just wants to rescue us from our mess. And I think the other thing that came through to me in that communion message about rescuing us from our mess, I thought of a, a little thing that we, we talked about here. I think it was last year where we said we have become so conditioned to our condition. In other words, half the time we don't know the mess we're running around in. And I shared a few weeks ago how a pastor prayed for me. I was away at this event and he prayed for me and he said, Shane, you're carrying stuff you shouldn't have to carry. There's stress and pressure on your life that you just shouldn't have to have. And I said to this pastor guy, I said, you know, I'm a pastor of church, you know, happy days. I said, mate, I just thought that was normal. It's not normal. A lot of us are carrying stuff. Anyway, so that's prayer. Anyway, we're going to move on with this morning's message. So um, anyway, this morning, I welcome you to Me Revival Part 3. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for every soul in the house. None of us are here this morning by accident. We might have been here for 40 years, but none of us is here this morning by accident. You have something you want to speak to every single person in the place. We know by faith, if we make the effort to get out of bed and cold, you know, winter's morning in Roma and we, we get in our car and we drive to church, you're going to bless that. You're going to speak to that. You're going to speak to us. And so, Lord God, this morning for every heart, every spirit, every soul in the building, I pray there's a, I pray there's a moment in the next 25 minutes or so where you speak so specifically to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen, or a few of you did. Acts 2, chapter 41, we're, gonna, we're just going to look at our, this has been our keynote scripture, so I'm not going to be talking about it too much, but Acts 2, 41 to 43, this is where we've, we're talking about me revival. Um, so all, those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. So half of Roma came to Jesus in a single sermon. Now that I would consider revival. So 3,000 people, there was only, you know, like there was only, you know, depending on how you want to do your math, 120 odd Christians. Half an hour later, there was 3,120 Christians. That's multiplication, right? That's a big effort. And so that's what was happening. And that's why we're looking at this scripture to go, all right, well, in that environment, what do you do? In the revival environment, and I've talked to you guys over the last few weeks about, um, you know, different people I've known at different times who've been in what we would consider revival and the things that they say happen when God's really doing crazy stuff. And so this is that moment. And, but in verse 42, it tells us what they did. So if you were in revival right now, you're personally in revival or this church was in revival what we would consider revival. I know that might be a bit sort of out there for some, Just you're just going to have to stick with us. But this is what would happen. Verse 42 would be our world. 
all the believers, so it's not half of the crowd. This is everybody. So we're all in on this, right? So all the believers, that's everybody in the room, right? So this isn't for pastors and leaders and, and the guy that was on the door, maybe or the people out in Life Church, or maybe the worship team. It says all the believers. This is everybody in this house this morning. All the believers would do this. They devoted themselves. We talked about that, what that looks like. It's not a good idea. Devoting yourself to something isn't a good idea. Again, I wasn't at the gym this morning, but I do believe in health you know, and being fit. But I've got to, got to tell you, I'm not devoted to it. Doesn't mean I don't believe in it, think it's a great idea and honour those who were there. <laughs> God bless you, you are better people than me. But I'm not devoted to it. Devoted themselves is something a whole heap different. They devoted themselves to the four things that we've been talking about. The apostles' teaching. That means they applied it. They heard something on a Sunday morning and they go, you know what, I'm, just, I'm gonna be crazy, I'm gonna do it. When that pastor or you know, Peter in this case or one of the other apostles, maybe it was John, talked about forgiveness, I'm just gonna be audacious and start forgiving people. They applied, them, they applied the teaching. They didn't just hear it and think it was a good idea. They devoted themselves. And they devoted themselves to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. And we've talked about that as gathering. They didn't come on Sunday when it wasn't raining. That's not devoted. They got to the gym. I don't know what time you boys were there, but I'm so impressed. It's gonna be a highlight for this message. You're gonna know that these boys were at the gym. They devoted themselves to it. When it was difficult, when they didn't want to get out of bed, they were devoted to gathering. When they didn't even believe it was making a difference, they devoted themselves. That's what devoted looks like. It's like, it's sort of like in faith in some ways. And we know that about fitness and exercise. To devote yourself, you've got to do it for a while before you see any results, right? But you're devoted. It's so different to knowing. It's so different to knowledge. It's so different to agreement. It's so different to a good idea. They devoted themselves to gathering whenever and wherever. As you read through the book of Acts, that's the one thing you pick up. I've said this before, but you feel like, did these guys even have jobs? They just seem to be hanging out all the time. Is it any wonder they changed the world? And they devoted themselves to prayer. And I sort of touched on that a little bit in my preamble, so I will move on. Verse 43 says this, a deep sense of awe. This is the result of it. When you get a, a, a community, I was going to say church, but when you get a community that applies, is devoted to applying teaching, is devoted to gathering. And I tell you, devote, you can't be devoted to prayer and not have a deep sense of awe come over you. About who Jesus is. I don't know, some of you would have got that this morning in the worship. I know I did. I was just, I was just, and that's what I was saying. And I apologize for my voice this morning, but I got a bit out of control in the worship. I didn't look after a voice that was already pretty damaged. I just couldn't help myself. Because when you engage the Lord, you might be like, I've never felt that. Well, you're not devoted, you're not applying, you're not, you're not pushing in in prayer. When we do that, a deep, this is the result, verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all, not the worship leader. And the apostles performed, oh, this is the great part, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. We had two words of knowledge this morning before I even got the microphone. That's miraculous. 
The Holy Spirit's just dropped something in Matt's heart and said, hey, there's somebody here. And, and I believe that for that, for the, I think there was two things, wasn't there? And there was, a, I believe, a breakthrough in that. If that was you this morning, we were all with you. If that word was for you this morning, believe me, right across this auditorium, people were praying and believing for you in a situation we don't know or understand. That's miraculous. You experienced the miraculous this morning. It's supernatural. It's beyond the human experience. It's the miraculous because that's what happens when you're devoted to applying teaching, to gathering and to prayer. We were praying this morning, weren't we? We're in the prayer room, praying for people before anyone else got here. Anyway, so this morning we're moving on from those principles, right? And we're gonna look at what happens for that person who says, you know, well, God has led me to this church for a reason. It's clearly. So I'm just gonna apply the teaching that's here. Till God moves me on. So, so, we've, so, so for, we're going to look at what happens when you just do that. We just go, you know what, that makes sense. Or even, you know what, that doesn't make any sense. But if God's led you here, you know what, I'm just going to be crazy. I'm just going to apply the teaching that I get here. You know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to build relationship here by being devoted to gathering whenever and wherever those opportunities arrive. And I'll protect all that with prayer. Spending time with God the Father in a mold me, shape me, speak to me environment. And so that's, we're going to talk this morning about, if you make those choices, this is, your, this is going to be your life, all right? So I'm going to unpack it. So not everyone's going to make those choices, but if you make those choices, this will be your life. A couple of verses on from our keynote scripture, we read this, uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 46. We read this. This is just so cool to me. Um, and they worshipped together at the temple each day. You know, we were talking about them gathering whenever they could. Met in homes for the Lord's Supper, which was gathering again, obviously. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Verse 47, all the while praising God, okay, and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. So that goodwill of all the people, that's, they're, not the Christian, they're not the Jesus followers. They're enjoying the goodwill of all the people around them. I love it. And each day, and this is where that lands, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, here's what I want to, so, and that's cool. People just add, God was just adding people to that. God's like, I can, I, can, I can work with that. So people were being added. But here's the highlight for me is this, is that their attitude. So you've got to understand. So that sounds really good. Oh, yeah, they're joyful and they're generosity and they're praising God. But sometimes we don't understand context. What's the context for this group of people? What's their world look like at that point in time? Well, here's, here's their world. Their leader was just executed terribly. What they're doing is, is so countercultural. Like it's way beyond going for New South Wales in an origin match. By the way, go to the Queenslanders. Can I have a Queenslander? One, two, three, Queenslander. It's so counter. Yeah, there's, there's at least three usually here. I think next, after the next origin, you guys aren't going to be allowed in the building just for one week. <laughs> but it's so counterculture. It's way beyond people who go for New South Wales in Queensland. That's just lunacy. But, <laughs> but it's way beyond it. What they were doing was so countercultural. What they were doing in following Jesus was, was like, like getting an axe to the, to the root of their whole society. What about the government? The government hated them more than their peers who excommunicated them. Everything with joy, all the while praising God, being generous. 
What is this attitude? We got Aussies who can't handle it. Do you know what I'm saying? It's crazy. Totally at odds with the government, totally at odds with their peers. And probably, to be honest with you, they had no idea where this is going to land. We got 2,000 years of history knowing what, what following Jesus and this whole revolution that these guys started, where that landed, and it landed here today. We've got all this history to say, hey, this is a good thing. I had none of that, none of that at all. And yet they're praising God. See, the fruit of me revival, not, not praying, oh, Lord, bring revival to others, fix that person. But the, but, the, but the fruit of me revival, and we'll throw this up, what me revival is, because we've been talking about me revival, so slow that, throw that slide up for me. Jessica, thanks. She's going to leave that there. But the fruit is this. The fruit is joy. The stuff we've been talking about over the last few weeks or months or however long I've been on this journey. The fruit of it's joy, not happiness, joy. The fruit of it is generosity. The fruit of it is goodwill of all the people. And even greater than the previous three things I mentioned, the fruit of it is people being added to get on the same journey. Joy, generosity, praising God. That's okay. That's all right. That's where this stuff lands. People being set free. It's people are experiencing what you have experienced. And as much as in some ways these guys had every excuse because it wasn't working out for them with, with what had happened to Jesus, it wasn't a group that were grumbling, complaining, and having a pity party about how bad everything was. Because in truth is it was bad. Stuff did go wrong. You know, Jesus, who they'd pinned all their hopes on, just got killed. This is a disaster. So they thought, what are we going to do now? Jesus is gone. Original Christians could be identified by their good news story, by their positive confession, by their praise and their joy. And we've been talking about revival and we've been talking about what, does God, what is God thinking when we think, when we sing, Lord, send revival. And this is where personal revival connects with community revival because you might be thinking where's he what's you want you want to stand out you know enjoy the goodwill of all the people have a positive confession have a positive confession where when things are going wrong have a joyful countenance when when everything's kind of against you when the, when the government and when your peers and all that is like totally countercultural you instead of having a pity party show joy praise god in it and i'll tell you what people are going to start asking you what drugs is this guy on that's what stands out and that's where me revival intersects with community Revival, because people are going to start asking, what makes this guy tick? How, does, how do they do that? In the midst of trials and hardship, it's praise and joy. And I'll tell you this, nothing is more attractional than that. Nothing is more attractional than that. Because if I see you go through an absolute disaster or whatever, and I see you journey through that well and have a great spirit and great countenance and great attitude, I'm like, I want me some of that. I don't think you're that much different to me. You see that and you go, hey, that's something I need in my life. And I don't think you need to be a Christian or a person of faith. I think just humanity wants to know, how do you do that? 
Because everybody else is on the, on the fear bandwagon. They're on the, you know, social media. Everything's going wrong. Band. You know, that's kind of what it is, isn't it? And when you, can, when you can swim upstream at speed, people know you're onto something. Here's another thing to think about. Remember this. Sometimes, again, we read the Bible. And um, it's like I just gave you some context a minute ago. We don't sort of think about that. We go, oh, yeah, they were joyful because everything's going right. No, 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 they were joyful because everything had gone wrong. Here's another thought. These guys weren't, see, the original Christians, we've been talking a lot about the original Christians, haven't we? See, the original Christians, we sort of think, oh, yeah, they were superstars. No, they weren't. They were fishermen. (laughs) Just as mucked up as you are, they were born just as prideful, just as selfish. They had, you know, Horrible people in their workplace. Their parents were probably just as ignorant as yours. You know what I mean? They, they, had, they had everything going wrong that you had going wrong. And we read the Bible and we think, oh, yeah, these guys are superstars. No, they weren't. Just applied teaching. Just gathered whenever they could. Had a prayer life. Changed their world. They were no different. These are just mums and dads and kids, just like in this room. If you, if you, and I, I, I say this, if you're in the, and some of you all know what I'm talking about, some of you don't, but if you're in the upper room, there was 120 gathered and God broke out. Let's just say it that way. I tell you what, if you, I'm guaranteeing you, if you were in that room and you looked around, it'd look no different to this one. Oh, there's a teacher and, you know, there's a nurse and there's someone who works in the oil and gas industry. You know what I mean? That's what it was. It wasn't, it, it's just normal people that just dared to believe God. That's it. Just normal people that dared to believe God. And they, just, they made a choice though, somehow the Holy Spirit got to them and they made a choice that instead of grumbling, they would just lean into their faith community. That was the difference. There's a difference between them and sometimes us. You know, and I ask this question, what is God thinking? I want to say it this way. What is God thinking when even in our prayer, maybe in your own privacy, your own room, and you're doing your prayer, and you're, God, revive Roma, God, revive Australia, bring revival, everything's going wrong. Uh, what is God thinking? And here, I, I, I reckon this, I reckon, I'm going to land this in this message. This is the last one on me, revival. I think God is waiting for us to stop talking. So he could say this. And this is for everybody in the room, everybody. Nobody's exempt from this. You can have absolutely everything you desire outwardly if you pursue the courage to turn inward. You could have everything you desire outwardly if you pursue the courage to turn inward. If you're young in the room, you're thinking, what courage? If you're older in the room, you're thinking, yeah, that's right. Because it takes a lot of courage to go, God, change me. God, revive me. God, turn me into the person that you want to be, you want me to be. And what God is saying is, if you would just do that, if you would just succumb to your own pride just for a little minute, crazy stuff could happen. And what I'm about to say might be a slight shift in your thinking. I need you to pay attention because I was strongly challenged in my thinking many years ago. I was actually at a youth conference called Planet Shakers. Many been, went there a few times and pre, this is pre-me getting married and stuff. Anyway, I was at this youth conference and, and, some, and the guest speaker there really inspired me. But he said something that was, and he, you know when someone says something and you sort of half think, well, that can't be right. And so I was just kind of, I had to, I had to wrestle with it. 
what I'm about to that some of you are going to be like yeah that makes sense in the room and some of you are going to wrestle with what I'm about to say so he he was a youth leader in America and actually had, a, had quite a large church and he was running the show the run he was the youth pastor there and but he really just had this desire to see people you know young people particularly as a youth pastor find Jesus like he was passionate about it and he'll be praying, Lord, bring revival to my city, bring revival to my city, bring revival to my church, bring revival amongst these young people. And eventually God said to him, would you just be quiet for a minute? And the Holy Spirit began to challenge him to stop praying for God to bring revival. Well, there's a prayer you did thought wouldn't happen. Start believing that he would bring revival. This is a bit of a mind shift because it's very convenient for us to put it all on God, isn't it? If I sit in my little office there in Rome and say, oh, God, bring revival. Oh, I ain't got no responsibility for that. Gee, that's convenient. We advocate our responsibility to do what Jesus told us and bring heaven to earth. When we pray, Lord, you bring revival, we're actually advocating our responsibility. Jesus said, I go so you can get it done. Interesting, isn't it? And this youth pastor got the revelation that Jesus said, I go so you can do the things. And he got the revelations. Jesus said it really specifically, John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus, greater things are you going to do? Now, if we understand what Jesus was saying, we would understand. And this is where this guy got to in his faith, we would understand this. If we fully understood where Jesus said, greater things will you do than I do, you would get to the place this youth leader got. And I'll tell you, I was challenged but I, and I had to think it through. But he got to every, there was a season in his life where every morning he would get up and he would look, he'd probably brushing his teeth and he would look at himself in the mirror and he would point to the mirror and he would say, I am revival. Now, for some of us, it's like, oh, that's, you can't say that. Jesus' revival, we can't, we can't, you can't say that, can you? Is that loud? Is that legal? You see, see, the God, the devil's got to sink in that saying that disempowers who Jesus is. That's why we're powerless. Because Jesus actually said, hey, why don't you change the world? Why don't you do it? And that's what Jesus said. See, we've been listening to the wrong voices. Jesus doesn't want you hiding in a corner, you know, cowering in, in false humility, which is actually birthed in pride, and, and hoping no one sees you lest you sinned. That's the devil's plan for your life. See, the people that are honoured in the Bible, they're the risk takers. The people honoured in the Bible are the ones that just sort of heard God say something and maybe it was in a message just like this. It doesn't have to be written on your wall with a finger. Did you know I might do that? See, the Bible honours, there's so many people in the Bible, just ordinary people, just doing their thing. And there came an opportunity to make a difference. And we're reading about some of these people 4,000 years later. As I said earlier, just mums, dads, kids, teenagers. You know, we see these people honoured in the Bible, visible on the front line, prepared to take responsibility for what Jesus left us to do. Why is David so famous in the Bible? If you're familiar, some of them are not familiar with David, that's okay. But I can tell you this, David is, is got to where he got to and he's so honoured in the Bible because he turned up to a fight where no one was taking responsibility. And he said, well, this is not okay. 
I don't care how big that dude is. And he kills this giant. You might have heard of David and Goliath, and he kills this giant. But how come he did that? Because he was he, he just like, well, this is not okay. Somebody needs to take responsibility. Sure, I'm only 16, but it may as well be me. He was no different to anyone. He was just a shepherd boy. We, some of you know the story. There's nothing special about him other than the fact. Applied teaching. He gathered. And I can tell you, this guy knew how to pray. People like Isaiah in the Bible. You might have heard there's a book in the Bible named after this dude. He just happened to be in a spot where, where he heard God say, hey, we need somebody to do this. And he's like, well, pick me. That was his qualification. He put his hand up. Guys like Stephen, the very first martyr. You might have heard of Stephen. Martyr is when you get killed for your faith. Stephen's the very first martyr for Jesus. You know how come he ended up being a martyr for Jesus? He just volunteered for any job he could get in his local church. And I'm not saying if you do that here, you'll get killed. All right, Just be aware of that. But that was Stephen. Just no, no, he just volunteered for anyone. Paul, the apostle, wrote three quarters of the New Testament. He's a tent maker by trade. Just average, generally people, but just were prepared to do these simple things. What does an I am revival attitude look like? Well, let's just read along a little bit further. I'll, I'll probably need to land this here. But Acts 3, verse 4 to 9. So this is just a little bit further on in the story as we've been talking about. Just see where this ends. I love this, I love this passage. I love talking about this passage. I don't have to be preaching to talk about this. But I love it. Acts verse, chapter 3, verse 4. Peter and John looked. So, all right. Peter and John are just on their way to the temple, right? So they're on their way to the temple to pray. We know they do that. They gather at every opportunity. So they're on their way to gather. And you just happen to be there. And then there's the go to, you know, they come near the gate of the, the temple or the church, however you want to phrase that. And, um, and there's this guy, this beggar there, and he's asking him for, for money because that's, you know, he, he couldn't work. Um, so in verse 4, <clears throat> sorry, that's the background. Peter and John looked at this. So they're looking at this beggar intently, looked at him intently. And Peter said this, I love this. Catch what he says. Look at us. Verse 5. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. And Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. And just if you pause there for a minute, and I'm not going to spend too long here, but basically Peter said, look at us, mate. We got nothing. That's how you feel sometimes. That's how I feel. Look at me. I got nothing. I'm not talking financially just. It's just like, I haven't got the capacity to fix this. I haven't got the capacity to be revived. The I don't have anything. And we read this, in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. I'm gonna land this. Then Peter took the lame man by the hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. And verse nine, all the people saw him walking and carrying on. It sounds like revival to me. But it was premised by Peter saying this, look at us and we got nothing. But then he said, but what I do have just happened to have something that might help. <laughs> I am revival. I am revival. Peter knew. See, we want to talk our way through stuff. We want to give wisdom. Sometimes that I am revival attitude, me revival at least, so I am revival is actually knowing that, hey, you know what? When it all comes down to I got nothing, but I've just spent enough time with Jesus 
I've just spent enough time with somebody who is something. There's nothing in me. Because we get caught up in this thing and, oh, I can't this and that and whatever else. But if I could sum up this whole series, and I'm going to, with one statement. I'm going to sum it up with one statement. And it is the title of this morning's sermon. And hopefully I've gone far enough into it so that you'll get it and throw it up for me, Jessica. It's with me if it's in me. It's with me if it's in me. That's what revival looks like. It's, if it's in me, it's with me. So if I'm on my way to the temple and somebody has a need, I got nothing. If Jesus is in me, then I can totally change the world. When I turn up to work on Monday, I'm nothing special. I'm just like you. But if it's in me, it's with me. And I can carry, so this whole concept of revival, we carry, we have the opportunity to carry revival wherever we go. You want to live in a revival environment, just take it with you. It's simple. And that's how we've been asked to live. And you can read through the book of Acts. And now when you read through, the, the, which is where we've taken this from, it's like the, the fifth book in the New Testament in the Bible. It's this book called Acts. It's actually just a story of what the apostles did. But as you read the story, you get the idea that if it's in me, it's with me because that's all they did. They just cruised around and they came upon an opportunity or a, or a tragedy or whatever it was. And they go, hey, I got nothing, but here I can know somebody who has. They weren't superstar ministers or run massive churches. They were just ordinary average people. Applied teaching. Gathered whenever they could and had a prayer life. And they'd turn up to a situation. If it's in me, it's with me. We don't need a pastor there. I don't need a small group leader. don't need to sing 10 worship songs to get us in the spirit. If it's in me, it's with me. And that's what revival looks like. And when I understand that, there's a whole mind shift that happens. Whole mind shift. And we, 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 but while we continue to take no responsibility for our own personal revival, that's not our story. So what have I been trying to say over the last few months? I've been trying to say this. If we could just concentrate on our own personal revival, if instead of trying to fix everything else and worried about everybody else and what this person's doing and what that person's doing, if, if a pastor would do this or my small group leader would do this or if the Australian government would do that, no, 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 no. That's never been the way it's been done. Never. Original Christians didn't care less what Caesar thought. They spent, I would believe they spent no time even thinking about him. But what if I changed? What if I could control the things I could control and I could change the things I could do? And what if I just carried in any environment that I'm in, you know, whether it's people who hate Christians or whether it's a family member, whatever it is, doesn't matter, does it? Example, it's not a great one. but just And I might just close. I've got some other things to say, but I think we get the point this morning. In fact, stand with me. See, I want to pray into this and also afterwards I want to give opportunity. If you want to just come and pray, uh, you want someone just to believe with you about this whole thing. Maybe that whole thought of I am revival, maybe that just something went off in your brain or your spirit. When that, if, if you want someone to believe with you 
in that space, well, I'd be happy to pray. With, I'll just hang around up the front or you've got some sort of other need this morning. We always have that opportunity to pray. And even if we don't mention it, if you're, part of this, if you're, if you're ever here and you've got prayer needs, just come up after the service. We always hang around to pray with people. But, but I just want to give you this example. I mean, I'll never forget this. You know, we were chatting with some young people and they're like, oh, you know, um, and I might have shared this before as well, but I think it's pertinent to this point. Like, you know, and if, you know, I can't really get into God unless the music's this or the lights are that or there's a smoke machine. Or I, we, you know, and I just looked at him. I said, man, I don't care where I am. I don't care what the song is. I don't care who the musician is. I don't care whether the song was written 15,000 years ago. You give me an opportunity to praise Jesus and I'll praise him. Because I take that where I go. I, if I'm in a space and maybe, and maybe you know, no one else is kind of, it doesn't bother me or affect me. If I'm, in a, if, I'm, if I'm given the opportunity to sing a praise song, I'll sing it because it's in me. Do you understand? I know it's not a perfect example because this whole idea of revival is like 50,000 times next level to what I just said. But come on. Why are we letting our environment dictate? That's ridiculous. We're so much better than that. We've been given so much more than that. And I know I can tell you the original Christians didn't do it, and so why should we? I'm just going to pray this morning for us as a group. I'm going to pray for us as a church that this is something that we get, we get a revelation of. Right now, for most of us, it's information. And that's not going to change your world. It's got to get to your spirit and to your heart. And where you go, hey, you know what? Like this guy did, I, sh- I shared, um, this guy from America. And he was running by the end of his massive youth group because he, he actually finally got the revelation that he could change the world. And it didn't matter. All the other stuff didn't, it was, ir- it was irrelevant. It's just if he pressed into God, he took it wherever he went. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. And, and maybe this morning for you, you, you just like really, you're just like, man, I just, I just need personal arrival so I can get to that place. We're going to pray for you as well this morning. Um, that, that, that you, because you, you might be some of that, what you were saying, Pastor Shane, was so way, I just need to connect to Jesus. We're going to pray. Bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm not going to ask anyone to raise their hand. Don't bother me. But what I am going to do is give opportunity. And I'm going to just going to pray for you this morning. Maybe that's you and this morning and you're just like, wow, I didn't know that's, that was out there. I'm a bit like you when that guy passed the prayed for you and, you and he said, you're carrying stuff and you didn't even know. That's me. I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to pray for you this morning. And then I'm going to pray for us as a church. I think if three people got what I was saying this morning, this place would be turned upside down. Lord Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit, the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the spiritual gifts that we talked about earlier in the year that you offer us so freely. We thank you for every good thing that you place in our world that we forget about. We thank you that we get to live a life and a way that most people, to be honest, they can't even comprehend it. They just don't get it. You've got to be connected to the source if you're really going to understand what it is to live with Jesus. And Lord God, for anyone in the house this morning that in their heart is like, you know what, I just need to, I just need to cut, I just need to go. I've been hearing this for too long. I just need to release, drop my pride. It's all pride if we can't surrender our lives to Jesus, it's only pride. And I need to drop my pride and just go, Jesus, just like Kenny shared on communion there. Just come and fix the mess. Come and fix my head. Come and fix my relationships. 
Lord, we just believe with that. With it might be a couple, I don't know. But Lord, anybody in that space this morning, give them the grace. Give them the audacity. Give them the strength. It takes strength to kill your pride. I pray that you just give them the strength to make that choice this morning. You know what? It's enough's enough. I'm just following Jesus now. And Lord, for the rest of us, I just pray that you would give us the audacity to do the simple things well. (laughs) If this message is about anything, it's about just do the simple things so that we can rock up to the temple one day and say, hey, mate, there's nothing in me except Jesus. That's going to completely change your world. So as a church, Lord, I pray that we pursue that, this thought that, that, that you know, that we, where we've in the past maybe just put it all out on God, taken no personal responsibility for seeing revival happen in our own life and in the lives of the people around us. Lord God, I pray that we would actually take that on and say, hey, you know what? I've been letting the devil tell me for too long that I can't make a difference here. Lord God, that you would just really give us that revelation that we can be revival. I'll just, in Jesus' name, amen. I just want to tell a story. I was just thinking about it in worship, and I know maybe we've gone just a tad longer, but this is, this is the theme. This is what's going to impact us. And this is just a couple of weeks ago for me, but to be honest, this is that Peter and John moment, and I'm just here to say that everybody in the room can have this story, and I mean that. So I was just a couple of weeks ago, I was just you know doing my thing, get a phone call from a guy. I said, wow, I haven't heard from him in a long, long time. He's just driving to work, this guy, and he rings me. And, and again, this could be everybody's story. I just tell you this story to say, this is what's out there. If we would just believe that I could be revival. You know, I am revival. And he rings me up. He says, Shane, I just want to thank you. I was like, yeah, what for? He said, I wouldn't be on the planet today if it wasn't for you. And he says, I'm now, you know, working with teenagers and helping other people connect to Jesus. And I was just at this retreat. And he said, they asked us, how the hang did you get, you know, as a group, you know, a bit of a reflection. Next, how did you get here? And he said, well, gee, there was just this one guy when I was younger that cared. That's it. This one guy that cared. But that's revival for that man. So I kept him alive. Everybody in the room can get that. It's 20 years later to hear the story. But everybody in the room, that's our story. In fact, if you're in this room this morning, somebody brought you here. Someone was revival for you, whether it was a decade ago, whether it was 50 years ago. Somebody was revival for you. And church, it's time for us to pick up that baton. It's time for us to be that for someone else. God bless you.